Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My name is Amanda Schager. Last month, Tucsonans gathered at Winsett Park to join an International Day of Action against victim-blaming, slut-shaming, and rape culture. Organized by Slut Walk Tucson and others, the event was emceed by local human rights activist Leilani Clark, who described her survivorship and resiliency. Slut Walk Tucson formed in 2011 to challenge victim-blaming, the mindset that anyone who gets raped did something to deserve it. Today on 30 Minutes, excerpts from Tucson's International Day of Action. Up first, Prevention Program Supervisor at Southern Arizona Center Against Sexual Assault, Rowan Frost, followed by Leilani Clark, and an open mic. Hi, my name is Rowan Frost. I'd like to welcome you all here. Thank you so much for being here on this International Day of Action Against Victim Blaming. Um, Obviously, we have a lot of work to do. We live in a culture that blames people for the harm that other people do to them. Uh, We live in a culture where it's perfectly acceptable to attack people. We live in a culture where people who attack people get a lot more attention than they deserve. Tonight, the focus is on us. Tonight, the focus is on survivors. Tonight, the focus is on the people who are trying to make a positive change in this world. So thank you all for being part of this. Now I'd like to introduce to you Leilani Clark. Leilani is a young woman of enormous courage and strength and power. And she tells her story better than anyone else. Um, We're incredibly lucky to have her in our community. And I just like, um, I can't tell you how much I admire her. So we're very grateful that she's gonna be emceeing this evening. Okay, and now Leilani Clark. Thank you all very much. So hi, welcome to the International Day Against Victim Blaming and Rape Culture in particular. My name is Leilani Clark, and the issue of sexual violence pulls dearly at my personal heartstrings, like I know it does for the rest of us who have gathered here today that took the time and energy and effort just to make a presence today, this evening, and this afternoon. So whichever tie we have to this sort of violence, whether we ourselves are personally survivors of sexual assault, or we know family or friends or loved ones or the community who are also sexual assault survivors, we know this violence must end. Rape culture must end, which fosters an environment for sexual assault and rape to continue without even being noticed, without even being checked, without even being just put up on a platform to make this seem like this is a national crisis, an international crisis against women, against queer, against trans folks, against anyone who goes outside of that that golden pyramid of masculinity that we have in the society. So what is rape culture? I want to break that down. This is a good, a good definition that I found of it. Rape culture is a term used to describe a culture in which rape is common and can be condoned through cultural attitudes and behaviors, including the way its victims are portrayed in the media and the objectification of certain people, mostly women, that seems to make their bodies open to violation. So let's talk about rape too, just for us tonight, especially other folks that may not even be in this, in this sort of consciousness that we have. What is rape? Rape is not about sex or intimacy. Let's put that off the table right now. It has nothing to do with lust, desire, care, romance, any of those beautiful things that consensual relationships should be about. Rape is all about control. It's all about conceit and arrogance. It's all about the perpetrator's wants without regards to what the victim wants, what she needed, what they needed at that time. Rape is about power. The power a perpetrator needs to strip away from someone else in order to validate them for some reason. Rape is someone violating our boundaries. 
something of ours belonging to the most intimate parts of our personhood, that personal choice of what we want for our bodies, what we want done to our bodies, and who we would like to share our bodies with. That choice was violated, disrespected, and abused. So, with the national rate of nearly one in five women who will have been or attempted to be sexually assaulted in their lifetime, that makes for a big population and that should show how much of us, how much of us are impacted, including every person close to that survivor. So why is this not an uproar on the daily basis against this sort of violence? Because the culture that surrounds sexual assault is silence. Rape culture is silence, if I were to define rape culture in one word. Rape culture does not talk about the real effects of rape. Rape culture hushes the issues, denies the issue, shames the victim into keeping quiet, threatens the victim into silence, manipulates the victim and those around them into thinking that it was their fault. And our broken silence is how rape culture succeeds. The silence that you receive after feeling like such a broken, damaged individual after this power was taken away from you without your consent. So just the act of us coming together tonight to speak to share, to listen, is a way we can take back that power taken from us. From us. Because if rape culture is the gun, silence are its bullets. So just being in all of your presence is very humbling. We attack that silence tonight and that shame by celebrating our stories of survival. Because even if you don't speak out tonight with words verbally, your footsteps speak for you and your heart speak for you too. Speaking tonight pushes that reaffirmation of the survivor's narrative and who we are as human beings, individuals, family, loved ones, community members, after rape culture took that identity away from us by turning us into a thing. Whether by labeling us a slut or judging us by what we wear, what we drink, our sexuality, the intent is all the same. Rape culture dehumanizes us, deems us rapeable, and thus at fault when someone else chooses to perpetrate violence against us. We take back that power tonight with our words and our voices. We take back our identities and we take back our humanity. For me tonight, I'm taking this dress back tonight because the last time I wore this dress was the night I was raped. So, and it was not the dress, it was not the heels, it was not my body, it was not my breasts, it was not my thighs, it wasn't how I was dancing that night or what I had to drink. A rapist causes rape. I was raped because of a rapist's choice. That's what happened that night. It had nothing to do with how I look or how I present myself or who I am. It had nothing to do with my sexual preferences, with my sexuality, with who I am as a woman. A rapist's choice solely falls on the actions of that individual who chose to take a person's power away. And so I, along with you all, and so many others, do not stand alone. We are not alone. We are never alone. Always remember that, even when we go to the most deepest parts of ourselves caused by this rape culture which shames us. Never forget we are alone. And that's why we come today, an international day against victim blaming and rape culture. We stand today with organizations in Munich, Germany, and Ontario, Canada, in Winnipeg, Canada, Baltimore, Maryland, and Chicago, Illinois. We have united today to take a stand against sexual violence and victim blaming and the mindset that anyone who gets raped did something to deserve it. So again, we are celebrating tonight by having this open mic event, by allowing you all to share your personal, whether it's stories, whether it's poetry, whether it's dialed monologues, anything that you have to share that's going to be that push against that wall of silence that rape culture has completely put, a, put across our surroundings. And also, too, again, please protect yourself. So we do have the advocates here that Rowan invited you. So if anything triggers you, just please protect yourself. If you have to leave, just take up space. A lot of things may be triggering for folks. So please protect yourself. Love yourself. I'd like to start the night off first by a piece that I have called. It's called 
human price tag of a film. The girl of flames have come back. Where were you at when this little girl needed affection? Only rejection and the toxic injection of you mutated and fabricated perfection was all she received. This sick and deadly disturbing silent disease carried on the backs of women for centuries. But hey, at least you got your movie. Tickets please, dollars please, as she drops to her knees. Memories forever imprinted on her brain like that pain, like that bump in the night that never delays. No matter how much she's left to well and plead. Go away, go away, please dear God, just go away! She screams. But hey, at least you got your movie. Thrown to the dogs and shadows of where she wallowed to find herself encased in green, letting her voice resurface like that unfrozen stream. Past winter time, past the season of death, when she wanted to jump high up mountains because she felt she had nothing left. Body unwillingly taken and words put on mute after she only wanted to share the truth, which quickly became a dispute and spawned once again the wheels of the machine which does not question the nature of a crime, only that of a woman's credibility. Questioned and judged by those who continue to persist and insist. We need a movie to survive to not have enough confidence in the young lives they once taught. Just a scripted screenplay that could be bought, cut, edited, and transformed around to not even truly replicate our town. But yes, let's get back to the issue of silence where a newly casted white woman from D.C. is supposed to offer the answers to this violence, all too common among women from men, as we're supposed to take it and just turn our head. But tell me, why did Pancho Villa kill the man who raped his sister? Why did Murieta kill the man who raped his wife? Because the justice system never worked for women of colors whose bodies were left to be taken in the hours of night. Don't spit your legalese to me, Mr. Lawyer. Miss Producer, don't waste your breath. Because of this this day, the murders of Emmett Till and Trayvon Martin still stand innocent. I expect nothing less. That is all the injustice system delivered to people of color. I expect no other. Living in the state where legalized racial profiling absolutely smothers the plants and the trees, the lives and the dreams of little boys and little girls now put to rest, for they will never truly get a taste of justice. And I stand before you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, another example to that living testament. Okay, so now we'll get the night going along again. Thank you for all your energy, for all your courage, for all that momentum that we're building towards this end against this violence against women, against queers, against trans folks, against all folks who, are, who have had that power taken away from them, who have been violated sexually by domestic assault. So now coming up, we will have another speaker right now. We'll have Teray Fuller Chapman, if you could please come to the stage and share some of your beautiful words. Thank you so much, sister. How are you guys doing tonight? So as she said, my name's Teray Fella Chapman. Um, I'm a local poet here. I have an open mic down the street every last Sunday of the month at Cafe Passe. Um, I'm so thankful for this opportunity and this platform to be able to encourage uh, survivors, allies, um, victims of the rape culture or um, of slut shaming. You know, if that is you, I'm so sorry that that did happen to you. And, this poem is just to offer um, encouragement. Once, we stretched our arms around a world that didn't belong to us, embraced the unfamiliar until it called us its own by the end of the night. So we danced under every star that we had ever walked under how we conquered then. It's on a still night. You remember the nights that loved you enough to carry you home. You remember when you were rich and crafted love. How you would never leave the house without enough watered ones to pay to forget. I now, I guess I feel as if I'm too frugal to pay for your numb smile. So you have to be careful for the nights that are simple and slip through my grasp, but like sand, my Friday nights. Even in the mixture of the birds and the bees and this spiked honey, they call me out by the confessions on my sleeves, I know. 
I'm a girl with too many gods to worship and too many books to read. This acquired taste to thicken skin I am. See, I'm in just an acknowledgement of my tough skin. Today, I'm half daughter yet all rainbow. Three fourths good lover, one fourth lesson learned. I'm a quarter of a mind and I'm a cashed in soul. Tonight, I'm as heavy as I can handle. Tonight, I am whatever I think I am. Tonight, I will be whatever I want to be. Thank you. Wow, impressive, impressive, impressive. All of these words, thanks so much just for sharing them again. Again, we are pushing back against that silence, against that veil that rape culture has put into our society. And so just a little bit how we were talking about the institutional levels of rape culture, how pretty much it affects the functions of our society. We talked about that a bit with Demingdame. Um, if we look at rape culture at an institutional level, the reason, that's the reason pretty much how Slut Walk came to be, but we'll get into that history in a little bit. So the systems of our society, again, how we mentioned, education, political, justice, criminal system, they're influenced by rape culture. Again, the belief of blaming the victim for any act of violence committed onto them. So you got the, you got the practice, you got the court system, the criminal system, and the ideas of justice. If rape culture exists in those society, in those functions, it pretty much attacks the idea of justice itself. So that's why sexual assault is one of the most unreported crimes in the country. Because you have people in positions of power that deliver justice, like Montana District Judge Todd Baugh, who said a 14-year-old rape victim was older than her chronological age and has as much control of the situation as her 50-year-old rapist did. And Judge Baugh proceeded to suspend that rapist's 15-year sentence to 31 days already served. That is institutional rape culture at practice. And so here you have, in January of 2011, Toronto Police Officer Constable Michael Sanguetti speaking at York University on crime prevention addressing the issues of campus rape. And he suggests that to remain safe, women should avoid dressing like sluts in order to not be victimized. And thus, with that one statement, Slut Walk was born, because anyone can be labeled a slut. And pretty much that's the only purpose for doing it, is to make rape acceptable. And you have the cops and the judges and the entire system itself practicing that idea. So these were, this was a statement that was put on by, by the um, co-creators of Slut Walk. We are tired of being oppressed by slut shaming, of being judged by our sexuality and feeling unsafe as a result. Being in charge of our sexual lives should not mean that we are opening ourselves to an expectation of violence, regardless if we participate in sex for pleasure or work. No one should equate enjoying sex with attracting sexual assault. Our goal is to shift the paradigm of mainstream rape culture which believes focusing on analyzing the behavior of the victim rather than that of the perpetrator. That's pretty much why we all come here today. Let's beat that. Let's defeat that. You are listening to excerpts from Tucson's International Day of Action Against Victim Blaming on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. And so now this is another time for someone else to come up to the mic. Do we have... Leora. Hey, everybody. I really wanted to share with you guys a story. Um, I didn't write a poem. I'm not too much of a, visual, of, a, of a speaking performer, but I wanted to share with you guys an experience about um, how people can impact you and have judgments about your sexual lifestyle and then tell you about how you should then 
have a sexual lifestyle. And I was lucky enough to receive this conversation uh, at me, directed at me by my gynecologist, which was really fun. I am a young white woman who looks like I like to dress well. People make assumptions about me and that's totally fair. And I welcome those assumptions. I don't really welcome them from my doctor, needless to say. So when I walked into my gynecologist for my annual visit and he sat me down and he said, so what's new? And I said, I'm engaged. He says, oh, so we never have to worry about, you know, STDs ever again. And I said, well, I was never really worried about it because my partner and I got together really young and uh, he's my only partner, I'm his only partner. That was never really a huge concern. He's like, oh my God, no way. And I was like, yeah, that's my sex life. Congratulations, now you know about it. And you know how it goes if you don't know how it goes, you're lying there on your back, you know, to the wind. They're always like, come down farther, come down farther. And I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. But they're always like, no, seriously. So I'm like, okay. So I'm there, open to the breeze, lying on my back, staring at the ceiling. There's a happy face on the ceiling looking down at me. So if you will, I'm like this. And my doctor decides that this is going to be the visit where he tells me about how I should have had way more sexual partners because that way I would know if my partner was any good. Having them do this while telling you how many sexual partners you should have had by the time you've been engaged is really an experience you should never ever have. People think it's really okay to walk up to you and say things like, oh my god, you've been with this many people or this many people or you haven't been with this many people? Oh my god, but you know what? Your sex life is your own. And you're allowed to own that and nobody's allowed to tell you like what you should have done because the only person who knows what you should have done is you. So even if it's your doctor, if it's your, you know, whoever it is, if it's not you, don't let them tell you what your sex life is. I, I lay there without words. I, I had nothing to come back to my doctor with. I was in total shock. I left. I was, I, I felt violated. I felt like my brain had been violated. I felt like my life had been violated. He doesn't know me. He sees me twice a year. And then a week later, I get a phone call. He didn't get a good sample. Would you mind coming back for another smear? I was like, if you think I'm setting a foot back in that office. <laughs> and that was the message I left. Thank you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Some incredible insight again, just on taking back that pretty much your sovereignty. Our bodies are our bodies. These are our temples. These are our, it's our sovereignty. This is pretty much our personhood. So anybody that takes away, again, that level of violation, that's just someone taking away your power. And that's pretty much just that most intimate part of your, intimate place of your personhood. That's just the most terrible thing to violate. So thanks for this insight. That was really wonderful. And do we have, okay, Annalise, very cool. Great, okay. Okay, so I just thought of this now. So don't judge too hard. I was 14 and he was 20. Do you really think I wanted it? Eight suicide attempts later, I'm still here. And that's all that matters. We're glad you're here too, definitely much so.
and just the fact too that we continue on each day the world does not stop for us this pain that we have inside ourselves is very much real we swallow it each and every day after this act happened upon us again by another person's individual choices it didn't matter how we were dressed it doesn't matter our behavior it doesn't matter our sexuality it doesn't matter if we had anything to drink what we did who we did what does not matter right when someone violates and crosses those lines of your person of your personal boundaries that's when that violation occurs and so each day onwards we we are survivors we have to turn and transform that label of victim into survivor because each and every day that we live after that experience we are still here and we are still surviving and our breath is testament to that our footsteps are testament to that our words that we share with each other are testament to that that we are survivors so give yourselves a round of applause that we have survived and we're still here and we're not going anywhere so even just talking again how we feel like we can objectify each other and personally put our own opinions onto another individual's, another human being's sexual preference, life preferences, and really that just really shows too the dynamics how rape culture has, we talked a little bit about institutionally how it affects the society, but now we're going to see how rape culture how another system pretty much affects how we look at each other as human beings. And this is a really large system. It's called the system of media. Rape culture and media has reached new lows and epic proportions. With this new day and age of technology, everything goes viral, including rape, including sexual assault. With social media conglomerates like Facebook hosting a breeding ground of misogyny, AKA the hatred of women and anything not masculine, by condoning and dismissing pro-rape and assault images, jokes and pages. So this fosters a new generation that believes not only is it okay to rape, but it's just as cool to post up your videos of this, of this person's violation like some perverse trophy. Look who I dominated. Look who I damaged. World, look who I ruined. Rape culture is what stems, is what stems the cases like Steubenville to take place. A 16-year-old girl gang raped at a high school party by several of the football players of the local high school football team and for the entire community to hush up and pretend that it didn't even happen afterwards after the videos went viral of the perpetrators making jokes and laughing about this young woman's violation they act the community of Steubenville acts like it never happened all for the sake of a football team a football team was more important than the well-being of a 16-year-old sexual assault survivor this case and many others like this are showing the cruelty our young men are picking up at such a young age due to entertainers who glorify rape, sitcoms that laugh and trivialize sexual and domestic assault, and every single piece of media normalizing and telling us that this violence against women is okay. The fact that all major networks showed a combined 400% increase of storylines with violence against women between the years 2003 and 2009 so that fact alone has only numbed our humanity by minimizing this violence and by making it seem like as if, you know what, that's just the way that things go. But no, rape is violent. There's no other way around it. And so rape culture affects now, even the way that we, are, that we see each other on an individual basis, that you have education communities like the U of A allowing aggressive hate-mongering individuals to carry signs around other students that say, you deserve rape. I'm sorry, you would not take that same type of leniency if someone held a sign. You deserve to be shot. You'd be excelled right on the spot if anybody had any sort of signs like that. So when someone fills in that verb with rape, why does that not equate to violence? Why does rape not equate to the threat of violence against someone's life? 
Uh, it's protected speech and has yet to be at this point violate the student's code of conduct was the reply of the Dean of Students office. So because rape culture affects how we treat each other on a daily basis, that's pretty much the, that's pretty much the ways that our educational communities can respond to the lives of students who feel threatened and who feel violated and who feel triggered by each of these hateful signs, by each of these hateful slogans that we're just supposed to take as free speech. That's what rape culture, how rape culture has permeated into our interpersonal and into our cultural level of this society. Teaches on interpersonal violence. So and now we'll have our next speaker come up. Okay, Sal. <laughs> Glad you could share some words. Hey everybody, I'm Sal. I'm, uh... Um, I'm learning, I'll be honest. I'm here with all these women, this power. I'm here as a, as, a, as a student. I'm here to hear your story, to see what your experience was. But I do want to say, and I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about like my place in this, and men's place in this, and allies. I worked with young men for a long time, you know, and, and you know, these guys just got out of juvenile hall and they came and they were real hard and they talked all these ugly words and and they didn't understand. They thought that that was what it was to be a man. They thought that that was how you show your power. That that's how you show your domination. That domination was okay. So it's... Every day when I go to work, right now I work at a factory. You know, and that's, that was the point, is that I learned that it happens in every moment. The personal is political. It happens in every time that somebody says something that's disrespectful, that it's your place. And me, as Tamanalka, as Mexica, as, as, and, and understanding my place in, in history and historical paradigm that exists, and my place and my responsibility to do that, to be honest, I understand I am responsible. I am responsible because I have the advantage. You know, so I, I took that and I tried to educate them. I tried to educate, it doesn't matter anybody. I won't stand for it. And that's the message that I want to say to these men is that it happens every moment. It's up to you as an ally to these women, if you truly, to not just women, LGBT, queer, whatever, you know, however we identify ourselves. It is our responsibility to, to, to stand for a better society, to use, you know, I'm a big guy. You know, I, I, I know that. I know that when I tell a man who's saying something disrespectful and ugly, and I go say, hey, hey, homeboy, it stops. And I see that, and I understand that, that I have an advantage. But that's my gift to you. That's my place in this, is that I want to learn. I'm sorry for all the, the horrible things that have happened. It's been in my family, too. It's, it's, it's a pandemic. And it's now, it's, it's the time. And it's the time to take the advantages we have, the advantages I have, and use them. So, thank you. Thank you for sharing such words. And again, we just need to foster just strong community building like that so that we have strong allies and strong proponents that are pretty much going to be saying enough with rape culture, enough with rape, enough with violence, enough with sexual assault. We need to end this now and it's going to be the responsibility and the hard work and effort of everyone involved. Okay, we will have Rowan Frost coming up to the mic then. Hi, um, I just want to say how moved I am that you're all here and I know that we all have our personal reasons for being here. Um, and I just want to name one of a couple of the reasons that I'm here tonight. One of them was named Alice. She was four years old the first time she was sexually abused by a man 
who took advantage of the fact that she was being raised in an incredibly abusive, neglectful situation. He showed her love. He showed what she thought was love. He showed her attention. And she thought that that was what love was for a really, really long time. Alice died. She died when someone that she loved shot her up with too much heroin. But it was love, not love. It was abuse that killed Alice. She followed that abuse. She tried to chase the feeling of being cared for that she had, that she was never able to find again. And so I want to say it's up to us, as Sal was saying, it's up to each of us to reach out to somebody else, to make sure that we show them their love, that we show them that we care about them. If we hear people saying hateful things, we can challenge them really carefully. We can say, you know, I really don't appreciate that language. Have you thought about how someone's going to feel about that? There are people in this world who will not listen to us. That's how it is. But when you speak up, every time you speak up, every time somebody says, that's so gay, she's such a slut, did you see what she was wearing? What did she expect was going to happen? Every time you speak up in response to that, a survivor hears you. There's someone nearby who hears you, who knows that you've got their back. And that's what we really need for each other. Sexual violence is a community problem. One out of five Arizona women will be forcibly sexually assaulted in her lifetime. Okay? That's a lot of women. With guys, we really don't know that we know that among 9th through 12th graders, that um, 1 in 13 boys say that they have already been forced to have sex. Okay? So it is a pandemic. It is something that affects all of us. And it does take all of our voices standing up one at a time in big events like this, in small, quiet, intimate moments. But thank you all for being here. and Thank you for helping us start to make that change so that we're no longer this kind of culture that condones and almost celebrates rape. And we become a culture where we can celebrate sex, which is the good part, and we can leave the violence part behind. And ending today with Prevention Program Supervisor at Southern Arizona Center Against Sexual Assault, Rowan Frost. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. We heard excerpts from last month's International Day of Action Against Victim Blaming, Slut Shaming, and Rape Culture held at Winsett Park. Organized by Slut Walk Tucson and others, the event was emceed by local human rights activist Leilani Clark, who described her survivorship and resiliency and featured an open mic. Slut Walk Tucson formed in 2011 to challenge victim blaming, the mindset that anyone who gets raped did something to deserve it. Slut Walk Tucson has an upcoming event on November 16th, and you can learn more on their Facebook page.